0: Inside the Adventure, episode number 43 with Devin Cohen.
1: If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host,
0: Marshall Mosier. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're speaking with Devin Cohen, the co founder and partner at Parks Preserve. Devin grew up in Ucapa, California, at the base of Big Bear Mountain. And after working at multiple tech startups once he moved to New York City, Devin and his close friend Chad teamed up to create Parks Preserve, an e commerce based outdoor goods company that gives 50% of all of its profits back to state and national park systems. Both Chad and Devin have long histories with the parks and plan to work as long as possible to make as big an impact as they can, and that passion for the park system started back in
1: his childhood with some of his very first adventures. My parents were uh my parents were great in the re- in the respect that they like took me to national parks when I was a kid. One of my earliest memories was going to uh grand tetons and yellowstone i must have been like five or six or something and i remember just vividly looking out the window and seeing these gigantic mountains and listening to the weight by the band and every time i hear that song it takes me back to that moment just driving through the grand tetons and that that's definitely an important memory and image in my childhood and kind of influenced me growing up a lot as my parents would take me to places like Yosemite. I think we went three or four times. We went to the Grand Canyon. Uh, We went out to Hawaii to like visit, you know, uh, the 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 volcanoes. It was was awesome being able to be exposed to so many out so many great parks when I was younger. And then I went to I went to school at Connecticut College um, after high school, and I didn't really visit a lot of national parks in that time. But I did keep my I kept my love for the outdoors pretty consistent. There was our college Arboretum that I was very much escaping to like all the time. Um, especially my, my freshman and my sophomore years in college, I'd go up on trips to Maine down to like, you know, actually the Shenandoah mountains in Virginia. So I was very much still engaging with the outdoors, but it, for me, like the outdoors really became a love and a serious passion when I moved back to California after college. And um, my buddy Chad and I would, you know, go on trips to like Joshua Tree, and our and our friend Brandon, who's like our one of our mutual best friends, we'd all go on trips all over the place and have adventures, and it was just it was awesome being outdoors. I loved how it helped me clear my head, keep me grounded in the present, and um, and yeah, I moved to New York for a uh, moved to New York for a job at a tech startup, and I had been working in multiple tech startups for the past uh, three years, but then. I left my recent position and flew back to California and I was hanging out with my buddy Chad and Chad and I uh, were hanging out in his warehouse. He has a company called Decni Creations uh, makes awesome products for a bunch of different bunch of different clients like just to name a few Harley Davidson, New Balance, Polar Sector Nine. He's got an awesome client list and he's built this thing up like almost single handedly over the past five years. But him and I again both really passionate about the outdoors and we said to ourselves you know we can't believe how much the funding is getting cut for our national park service in the upcoming budget it's slated to get to get cut by 11 percent and admittedly we were both we were both a little angry about it and in addition to that just thinking about how our state parks in california have had a really difficult time for the past like 10 15 years we sat back and we're like you know what let's actually just do something about this uh let's put our money where our mouths are and this thing was intended to be just like a passion project to start. We we were in his warehouse. We made an entire product line out of the products that Chad makes for the companies that he services now for Deckney. And then we made a website together, just a sh- simple Shopify website. We put it up on Earth Day, and the response has been awesome thus far. Uh, we were able to give our first donation to the Joshua Tree National Park Foundation just three. It was like three weeks after we launched for know, $500 donation, which was super cool. And it felt great. And that in itself has been like pushing us forward. And it's built a lot of momentum to make us pursue this, this, this path so we can continue to give to the parks that have actually given a lot back to us. So that's kind of the full circle story, Marshall, of how like I got from childhood to now working pretty much full time to, uh, you know, raise money for our state and national park systems.
0: That's an awesome story, Devin. Thanks for sharing Mm -hmm. that. It sounds like the early days in your childhood really had a massive impact on kind of the uh, the outcome that you're doing right now with Parks Preserve. And it seems like you really had uh, a lot of opportunities to go visit a lot of those national parks as a kid. Did you live out in the area where a lot of those were or did your family
1: just have all these awesome family trips? (laughs) That's a good question, man. So I grew up uh Probably about an hour and a half from Joshua Tree. But funny enough, my parents and I didn't really go out to Joshua Tree that much. But we we I grew up at like the base of Big Bear Mountain in Southern California. So our, our access to the outdoors was was it was we everything was very accessible. And my parents really aren't even the most outdoorsy people, to be completely honest. They they don't they, they go glamping. They don't camp like they'll go drive through like a national park and hike like a little bit. But they I think the important thing about growing up with them is they instilled a lot of respect in me for what the outdoors are and what it really means to cherish like our national treasures. And however I decided to kind of pursue my relationship with them or build my relationship with them was, was up to me and my prerogative. So yeah, it was, it was really nice that they, you know, did take me to, to all these different places, even going to like the Everglades when I was younger too, and zipping around on one of those motorboats which was super fun. Um, it, I definitely owe a lot of my respect to the outdoors to both of my parents, and it's funny because again, they're really not that outdoorsy. Um, and my my no my mom is definitely an indoor cat, not an outdoor cat. I well, it will sounds say like that. they
0: have definitely the right mindset for sure, in exposing you to all those mm-hmm. things and and giving you that uh, early history of growing up in in that area with all those resources. Did did you have any brothers or sisters um, sure. that were doing these things with you, by the way, as well?
1: No, man. I, uh, I'm an only child. I spent a lot of time in, uh, in a pensive state growing up thinking, using the imagination a lot. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, the good aspects of the Robin Williams effect of like, are you know, driving me to a degree where I'm just like, I spent a lot of time alone. Um, I also, my house was like kind of above the town that I lived in and like a little farther removed. So until I got a car, I was, Definitely hanging out by myself a lot, going on kind of walks through the foothills by myself and just meandering and pondering uh, what I was going to do and where I wanted to be. So, yeah, it it gave me, I think, an appreciation for solitude um, when I was younger and um, made me really learn how to have fun doing stuff by myself. It's funny to to
0: hear that because I'm an only child as well. And as only children, as you know, we, we kind of have to go on these adventures to, uh, you know, as kids to keep us entertained because we don't have that sibling to play with. So it, if anything, do it. Mm-hmm. It, it gets you out even more, it seems like.
1: No, you you definitely have to do it, man. And uh, me being even farther removed from uh, from from like where all of my friends were um was another impetus for me to just go out and do stuff. My like my friend Brandon was the same way. He grew up in Forest Falls, which is like. It's this kind of this little mountain town, probably like a 30 minute drive above Yucaipa where we're from. And he just he will actually just go into the eastern Sierras for like four days and disappear and hang out by himself like to this day. So him and I have like a lot of those similar qualities. Even Chad as well will will like take an occasional night drive out to Joshua Tree and just clear his head and hang out by himself and relax. I think we all really value the solitude and the tranquility that we get when we hang out outside by ourselves, especially. Absolutely. Did you do any um trips as a kid that, that got you in a little bit of trouble with your parents? Um, not really. Not that they know of at least. I would definitely, um especially when I got a car, I would I, I was I was a little difficult to control as a teen. I would pretty much do whatever I wanted and say like, Hey, as long as my grades are good, you're pretty much not gonna stop me from driving where I want to. And they're like, All right, just keep your grades up and please don't screw your car up, which um definitely Happened once or twice, but at the same time, um, I, d- I, w- I went on some cool adventures when I was younger, and uh, nothing, nothing bad really ever came of them. They were, you know, harmless and innocent, and I was just young. So, well,
0: that's great. So mm-hmm. they were pretty flexible about letting you go out and and find new adventures and and do
1: your thing. Oh, yeah. Very flexible. And at the same time, they didn't really have a choice. I was a pretty strong personality as a as a teen and uh, a little difficult to control anyways. So it was it was very much just me saying like, hey, I'm going to just do this thing because I want to do it. Please don't try and stop me. It'll it'll hurt a lot less if you just let me go. So,
0: well, hey, at least you were being honest with them. And it sounds like they had a pretty good mindset with that.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, a good mindset in to to the degree that they put up with a lot of my shit when I was younger. And they and, and, and now I think uh, looking back on it, I probably could have made their lives a lot easier. But, um, you know, it made me who I am today. And I have a lot more respect for how much they tolerated and how patient they were as parents with me. That's for sure. Absolutely. You really don't realize that until looking back on it, huh?
0: Yeah, that mindset. Uh, I hear that with a lot of different entrepreneurs of that really headstrong mindset, because that's kind of what you have to have to, uh, to get into building something from scratch. So on that topic, what, what were you thinking about doing, going from high school into college? Where did you go to school? And what were you studying? What was the plan for the rest of
1: uh, of, of your immediate future? Oh man, so this is this is a funny throwback for me and it just it just displays how much like plans plans can change over time. Uh, I I really wanted to be a political journalist for like the first 22 years of my life. I wanted to write about politics, influence public opinion. I've I'd, I grew up in a political household too. Both my parents are pretty democratic and and since I'm an only child too, they would have all their friends over and I would just be I would just be, you know, immersed in political discussions when I was like 13, 14, 15, and I would have to contribute to some degree. So that kind of it it made me build up my political chops a little bit and figure out, you know, exactly where I stood politically and ethically um, on our political spectrum. So going to college, I majored in government and anthropology. I really wanted to, uh, you know, make an impact in the uh, in the journalism world. But after uh, after I graduated and it turned out to be really, really difficult to get a job as a writer, um, since there are so many writers um, in the political space and so many people who are much more established than me. My mindset definitely uh, changed a little bit. And when I moved back to uh, Yucaipa, I was like six, seven months after I graduated. um, That's actually where I teamed up with Chad for the first time. So Chad and I actually worked together back in 2013, 2014 on his company, Deckney Creations. I was working with him for like a full year and a half before I went to uh, New York to work at tech startup. So that was kind of like my first experience with um, with working at like kind of our own company uh, that Chad started. And I will say that he's probably like the sole reason that I have the work ethic that I do today like that, that guy works harder than anybody I've ever met in my life. And he very much taught me how to how to grind and to not take no for an answer. So that's, I I was always very headstrong, but he put it into the framework of like accomplishing goals and kind of building something. So for that, I will definitely be forever appreciative. How did
0: that mindset contribute to starting Parks Preserve?
1: So, you know, I've already I've always kind of had that mindset. And after working, working with uh, Chad at DECNI and going to work at um, ZocDoc in New York and then Seamless Docs after that, and then um, I actually was working on a uh, startup of my own with uh, three of my friends in the tech space um, to try and build a mobile app where you would close a bar tab through your phone. And that was a very difficult thing to pursue and um, didn't quite turn out the way we wanted it to. But again, lots of lessons and it definitely made me a lot stronger. Uh, I just, I've I've known that I wanted to do my own thing for a very long time. I don't want it for me just sitting in an office working on someone else's why, unless it really strongly aligns with my own, just doesn't sound like how I want to spend my time. It never really has. And, uh, you know, even though I, I did work at multiple, multiple startups where I was working on, um, you know, I was working on things for other people. It really I didn't get the fulfillment out of it that I want wanted to. And I worked at very mission driven organizations too. Uh, you know, one was one was ZocDoc, which, you know, is trying to pretty much fix access to healthcare. Uh, the other is Seamless Docs, which was trying to which is continuing to uh, um, try and digitize government forms to A, make them inv- more environmentally friendly and cut down waste. Like I, I have to have some type of mission when I'm working or I or I just kind of zone out and I don't put my full effort into it because I I know that my time could be better spent elsewhere. So, you know, me being very mission driven has always been there and it's kind of been reflected in the way that I choose where I work. And this whole thing that Chad and I started um, with Parks Preserve, it was just, it was a very organic um, event in our lives. We just both knew that we, that he had amazing products that he's developed over the past three to four years. And, you know, I again, I need to be like in a mission driven setting to do well. And we both deeply care about the outside. And that's exactly why like this thing just came together. And it feels really great to work on. That might have been a really long answer. Sorry about that. More.
0: No, no, that <laughs> so, was great. I, I love that mindset. Mm-hmm. It's so important to work on something that you're really passionate about, um, especially with an issue like this. I'd love to hear more about how you made that transition from your previous job into starting Parks Preserve. You've always been passionate about national parks and the park system here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But was there any one single turning point, an event that happened that said um, to you and your team, hey, I got to do something that is helping to better uh, advance this particular issue? How did that turning point for you kind of click in your head in saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going
1: to go... And give this idea a shot for sure. So you know working working with my team at Timetab, um, the reason that I had actually uh, decided to leave the team is that we were transitioning into the product into something that I wasn't fully invested in. And they're working on a product right now called five Kick, which uh, I'll give them a quick plug. It provides Wi-Fi marketing for bars, and it's working very well. And I do always wish them the best of best of luck and love to help them out in any way that I can but for me i just knew, I knew that i needed to do something else and the whole parks preserve thing to be completely honest happened quite accidentally we didn't think that it would turn into uh, a legitimate um a legitimate way for us to raise funds for the parks so quickly uh we wanted to like we kind of viewed it as a side project i had looked forward to kind of figuring a couple things out stepping back and doing a little bit of a reassessment before i made my next move and this just kind of fell into place for me and uh so, yeah, it was, to answer your question, purely accidental that I'm working on this full time now and I'm enjoying every second of it.
0: Was there any kind of hesitation or fear in your mind of making that shift from saying, hey, this is a project, an idea we're going to test out to actually saying we're going to dive full time into
1: this? Not really. And I, I think that was... that. There were a couple of reasons that I didn't really hesitate too much. One was that we got a lot of support from people that we knew and even a fair amount of people that we didn't know right off the bat. Um, And we just had, you know, we, we had so much positive reinforcement to start, but also I just, I kind of stepped back and I said, what else would I really want to be spending my time on? What else would I, what other way would I like to spend my day? And, because I'm a very impact-driven person and I really want to do things that will leave the world a better place and can make a tangible difference, you know, I I said to myself, I don't really know what else I would do or what else... I get to work with one of my best friends in the world. I get to, you know, work for a cause that I'm deeply passionate about. I get to do things that I actually am decent at, hopefully. And, you know get to meet people who just feel the same way about the outside that we do. I I couldn't ask for like a, for a better set of circumstances to just kind of fall into. And that's why there really hasn't been too much hesitation on my part. I just, I feel like Chad and I could do a lot of good here and I'm so happy to be working with him again and I'm just excited where this can go.
0: So when you find that one thing, there's, there's really no doubt in your mind that that's what you need to pursue.
1: You know, it kind of worked out like that, and <laughs> it's funny. You're you're a fan of Simon Sinek, right? I, we we had kind of talked about this before we before we hopped on uh, our the first time we chatted, um, and he just released this thing about infinite games and uh, finite games, and um, I think that I, I guess for a little background for anyone who's not familiar with what he said, um, you know, finite games are like a baseball game where you have like a set amount of players. The rules are pretty rigid and uh, the game has a finite ending so you play nine innings like games over and you can't renegotiate at the end of the game to buy yourself more time if you lose um, and then infinite games are a little bit different the players are always changing and the rules are always changing and the idea is to like stay in the game and I think that I mean he, you know Senec made the point that business is an infinite game which it absolutely is and I couldn't agree more But I think that, you know, we all kind of need to just find an infinite game that we're like, oh, we're okay playing and that we kind of look forward to playing because um, the way that I look at it, I'm I'm not really sure what the what ends Parks Preserve would have. I just we want to be doing this for as long as possible to make as large an impact as possible. So the idea is to just keep doing it. And so for me, at least, and I and I don't want to, I will probably, Chata will definitely agree here. It just feels good to be able to continue giving.
0: What impact do you want to have on people through your work with Parks Preserve?
1: I think, uh, it's a great question. So we want to be able to show people, especially, you know, people like any, anyone in the outdoor industry that you can make um, philanthropy, a part of your core DNA, not to the point where you're just giving like 5% back or you're maybe obliquely stating that your purchase is going to help something and not really show radical transparency. Uh, we want to, we really want to show people that you can give away half of your profits and still be sustainable. And I think it's really important that more people, whether or not you're in the outdoor industry, you know, Start to follow models like this, uh, and start to realize that it's not all about just accumulating wealth or accumulating capital. Like that, that capital can serve a really, a you know, a, it can serve a great ends while you're building your company. In addition to that, um, shedding light and awareness on the deferred maintenance in our national park systems, and as well as the you know the hundreds of state parks around the country that are also chronically underfunded is very important to us. Just again, awareness is very important if we're going to be able to solve the larger issue, which is eventually funding and keeping these parks preserved for future generations. And, you know, on that note, telling people what parks exist in America, it's amazing how, you know, you know, Yosemite and Yellowstone and Arches and some of the, like the more well-known parks like Mount Rainier are always, those are the things uh, that are conjured up in people's minds when they, when they're discussing like a park system, but you know, we have thousands of parks in the United States uh, and, you know, just telling people that these places exist and that they can go to them and that they're in our backyard and that they are arguably what make America great is also a very important message for us too, that every one of these places that's accessible and, you know, just part of our heritage should be celebrated and should be visited and paid tribute to.
0: Absolutely. So since that's a really interesting um topic how everyone's impression uh and that's so right is that these few main parks that everyone knows about are the national parks in the United States but there's mm-hmm. so many other ones that most people have never heard about what's your favorite
1: lesser known national park that you'd recommend people to go check out a oh, lesser known national park um let's see so many come to mind immediately uh i you know I think that like North Cascades National Park in um, in Washington State is beautiful, um, and I like really want to get up to like Diablo Lake and canoe or kayak on that thing. And just like just like uh, me, I know you love being out on the water, so I'm sure you can empathize. Um, and also, uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, north the North Cascades is generally overshadowed by like Olympic National Park, which is huge, and Mount Rainier. So I think that. Um, that's one of them, uh, also like Lassen National Park in not Lassen Volcanic National Park in Northern California, I think is very much overshadowed by like Yosemite and, um, the Sequoias and the Redwoods again, each being beautiful in its own way. But, you know, Lassen just doesn't, doesn't quite draw the crowds that the other, um, the other more popular parks draw, but it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. It's such a great place to visit. I've heard of that, and I've never
0: been there before, but it's it's on the top of my bucket list. It sounds amazing.
1: Definitely, yeah it's a it's a it's a really great place, and I can't wait to get back there sometime soon.
0: Well, you'll have to share some updates with us in the uh, the follow up after this. Um, no, I definitely, I, uh, you know it <laughs> absolutely, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, especially with this being a bit of a current event right now, is what's going on in Utah with the government questioning whether we should turn some of our public land into private land. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole situation and ways that
1: people can help to preserve the national park experience? Yep. So I think this is another important part of what Chad and I are um, kind of set out to do. In, in, in this day and age, it's very hard to remain uh, completely neutral when it comes to our public lands. I think that there are dedicated interests that are trying to dismantle public protections to start drilling oil and to start um, creating commerce on these places that, you know, we were meant to pass down for generations. So the best way to support our national monuments and as well as our national parks is to is to speak out continually. It's to not only call your representative um, and ask them for more funding and to for the national park system, and you can call your state representatives and tell them the same thing for for your state parks. But it's persistently trying to get in contact with the secretary of the interior, um, and by that I just mean writing letters that are personalized. They're not form letters, so um, yeah, form letters are nice, but that's very much like signing a petition. I think that. A personalized letter always makes more of a difference, and it might not feel that way while you're doing it, but trust me, it, it definitely does. I actually worked in a congressional office for, uh, for six months after I graduated college, and personalized letters are taken more seriously. They are given a higher weight. Um, it shows that that person is more invested and that it might actually sway a vote one way or the other. Um, in addition to that, I would say... Visit the parks, become then visit national monuments, visit our national monuments, experience them, show them to your friends, and you know, just spread the word that they're there, that they're that they exist, that they are ours, and that people can do tangible things to protect them right now.
0: What do you think is the biggest way that people can be a part of helping to preserve our national parks? Uh short of uh, going to buy some gear from parks preserve obviously which is the first way but <laughs> other than that what would your advice be to get people started with making more of a conscious effort to
1: make a difference i think that that question has a lot of different answers because there's tons of ways to make a difference and you know for me to say that i that i could even choose the best one is is i, I think would be me lying to myself but i think that uh Supporting any types of programs that get people out to the national parks who and maybe people in underserved communities or underserved populations who can't make it out there is really important to build a community around these places and to instill it from a young age in future generations that they need to visit and they need they need these places to be a part of their lives. Um, also make you know, volunteering your time at your local national park or your local state park there's. Trail clearance that always needs to be done. There are lots of different there's lots of different maintenance that I know each one of these parks could use help with because of all the uh, all the hiring freezes, especially like the hiring freeze for our national park system. Every one of these places lacks the staff needed to even implement some of the changes that they need to make. So volunteering your time at the parks as well, just like getting in contact with either one, the park itself or the nonprofit that supports the park, um, that is a really good place to start um when it comes to dedicating your time. And also, um, if you're going to make a donation um, to a national park or a state park, look very closely at where you're going to donate your money and figure out a good nonprofit that works with the parks to give your money to. Because if you give your money directly to a state or government entity, that money will get tied up for a while and it won't be able to make the difference that you want it to make as quickly as you want it to make. And it's just one of those things when you're working with government entities, it's just kind of the case. So there are a lot of different um, certified nonprofits out there that do work in all these different parks and you can contact them, give directly to them, and that money can be allocated very quickly to certain funds that help those parks with discretionary needs as well as project-based needs.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. And one of the things you said earlier um, is that one of the most impactful ways to help preserve the parks is to go and visit and make impactful Mm -hmm. memories that become a part of your life. And obviously, you have hundreds of stories and memories that you could share. uh, But are there any recent memorable outdoor experiences with the national parks that really stick out in your mind that you can share with us?
1: I think that I, I mean, yeah, going out to Joshua tree with like Chad and Brando who are like my, two of my closest friends out West is it's, it's definitely what pushed the national parks front and center as, into like from being, being just an infatuation and like a lot of having a lot of good memories of these places to just falling back in love with them. Um going and just hiking around in Joshua tree, doing night runs out to Joshua tree as well. Um, and again, since it's our, since it's our local uh, national park, uh, I've definitely been able to forge a great connection with it, and I think it's probably one of Chad's favorite national parks as well. Um, and and yeah, we we have a lot of fun stuff. I have a lot of fun stuff coming up. I'm going to Acadia um, National Park up in Maine in September. Hopefully, going to be able to go out to like Crater Lake in October. Um, just really excited to keep continuing to get out to these places. Um, and. One of my favorite memories when I was younger, it wasn't even I wasn't that young. I was like mid-teen years, um, was going up and renting a cabin with my parents in Yosemite. And uh, and just it it was wintertime, too. So we were kind of it snowed for a while. We were like locked up in a cabin. But then when just hiking through uh, just seeing Half Dome and El Capitan in the in the snow was pretty mesmerizing. And I've gone back to Yosemite a couple times. I went with a couple of my college buddies on a cross country trip and hiked up to like Vernal Falls, which was great. I still got to go back and do Half Dome sometime soon. The uh, list of to dos is very long, I will say. But, um, I'm sure. But,
0: yeah. Uh, it's almost hey, it infinite. Be- <laughs> Well, you know, it must be pretty nice to uh, be able to go visit some of these national parks and now be able to call it work though. So, you have so much more opportunities to <laughs> that to that is those things on this list.
1: That is the key. Um and I I think that everyone should try to figure out a way where none of the none of the work they do feels like work and um for us this definitely isn't feeling like work. It's feeling it's feeling like a great opportunity and just you know, the the ability for us to go like right now at this very second, actually, um, my partner Chad is up in Sequoia National Park, um, kind of just decompressing and enjoying nature. He's up in Sequoia Kings. He's uh, I think he might actually go up to Yosemite, too. So he's having a great little trip right now. And he's te- he, I guess you could say he's technically working. But if that's work for us, uh, we're pretty excited for the coming years. It's pretty incredible when you find something that really helps you
0: turn your passion into a career like that. you're so right. What advice would you give to others
1: who want to do the same? Let's see um, I think that I think that people will generally say well the, well they'll 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 put up barriers and they'll say before I get to do x, I need to do y um and they'll say that they need to accomplish something before they actually start pursuing the thing that they that they want to. And I can say that, you know, that mindset, even though it seems logical, uh, it it doesn't turn out to be true over the long term. There's no reason that you can't start doing what you want to do and planning for the life that you want to live like right now or yesterday. And it took me a while to realize that. I always thought that I needed to accomplish certain things or be in a certain place before I could do something impactful or I could do something that would make a difference or make me feel fulfilled. But it's, it's definitely not true. If you're not waking up in the morning and you jump out of bed and you say, I can't wait to do this thing that I'm working on today, then You know, you need to consider a change, and it's a tough. It's a very tough thing to have to say to yourself if you're one of those many people who I know are not happy with their jobs. But you you live one life, and regret is something that I don't want to. I don't want to see a lot of the people. I don't want to see anybody really live with, especially anyone um, that I'm really close to. So I always push my my friends and um, (laughs) even loose colleagues at times to just pursue the things that they actually want to do. Um, So yeah, just Again, you're going to spend you're going to spend far more time in your life uh, in pursuit of the goal than actually accomplishing the goal. Like the goal itself is, you know, let's let's say to climb the mountain, right? And the goal itself is getting to the peak. Whatever mountain you choose, like you have to enjoy the climb. It has to be like the process of doing what you're doing that makes you excited because you're going to be spending 99.9% of your time climbing that mountain as opposed to enjoying the summit. So find a climb and a game that you like playing and just go for it.
0: It's all about the journey, not the destination, right? Very, very, very true. Very true, man. That's absolutely, absolutely true. But, um, you know, at at the end of the day, after, um, after you've done all of this incredible work to Further your passion and your dreams, and really make the impact you want to have. What do you want that end goal to be? What, what do you want your main legacy to be remembered for?
1: Um, you know, I, I think that I would really like to be uh, remembered as someone who is trying to make the world, uh, you know, a more just place through the process of giving, um, and. I have, I, I think personally, at least for me, I believe I have a pretty strong sense of justice and what I would envision the world to be. And I, the, there are a lot of people out there as well. And it's not just our public lands. It's people as well who, who could afford more opportunity in this world. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who are struggling right now who I would love to be able to help in any way possible, whether it's, uh, you know. <laughs> Whether it's helping get a job through, I don't know, whether it's helping get a job, whether it's helping um, them maintain their voting rights, whether it's helping give them any opportunity possible. um, I think the world becomes a more just place when people are in the mindset of giving. And I'd like to to be a part of, uh, I'd like to give as much as I possibly can and also instill that in others as well. Well, you've
0: only been around for a couple of months, and you've already been such an inspirational figure for a lot of people. So I think we need more people in the world like that, Devin. So thanks so much for everything you've done to
1: follow your passions uh, and really leave the world a, a better place than than when you found it. Hello, man. Yeah, it was really nice to thanks so much for having me on i love I love doing these things, and you're you know again it's it's always fun um, connecting with people like you, Marshall, who are are very much aligned with what we want to do and are pursuing the same thing. So I'm stoked I could be on today, man. Absolutely. Well, it's been
0: a pleasure to have you on and we can't wait to hear the story of what you guys can do in the next couple of years. So for everyone listening, definitely stay tuned. Check out Parks Preserve in the show notes and definitely help to support in their upcoming campaigns. Thanks so much for being on the show today with us, Devin. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: You're very welcome, Marshall. Happy to tell that story in the future.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and that was the CEO and founder of Parks Preserve, Devin Cohen, who is obviously extremely passionate about helping people to live more active lifestyles through experiencing the beauty of our national and state parks. But in addition to helping people be more active and experiencing the parks, he's also very healthy in his diet as well. He's actually slightly obsessed with lentils. They are by far his favorite food in the world, and he's even gone so far to say that when he gets an Australian Shepherd, the dog he wants to get in the future, he is actually going to name his dog Lentils. If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.